Good morning, everybody, and welcome. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88, depending on where you are right across Australia on this amazing morning. And you're with Lyle and... Mon, good morning, Lyle. It's such a happy day today. And it's positively different radio, and so mm-hmm. that makes you even happier again, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Guess why it's so happy today? Because it's World Happiness Day. And it's your birthday. Yeah, yeah. Happy you did birthday, Lyle. La- I'm going to sing to you. You ready? Oh, no. You ready? Live yeah. on TV? Oh, live on <laughs> Delayed on radio, I should say. You ready? Delayed on radio. Okay. Here is your no. birthday song. It isn't very long. Hey! <laughs> and speaking of the fact that we Mom, are actually are, delayed. You are, you are a nut. Thank you. Thank you very yeah. much. I'm uh, You're not ashamed at no all. No problem. <laughs> Anytime. But speaking of the fact that we are delayed, Lyle... Dear listener, this is not the live show. It oh. could be the live show, though. And Mon sung on the live show as well. I did. I did. She embarrassed rather. herself twice yeah. in one day. Well, it was on the intro anyway, so, you know. But if you would like to join us for our live show, it is actually very simple to do. How do they do it, Lyle? Simply jump on faithfm.com.au or even better still. They can download the TuneIn app, which is totally free to download, and then just search for Faith FM Australia, and you can listen to either of those live streams. Is there any? Anywhere on the planet or is it only in Newcastle? Anywhere on the planet where you can get a data signal. Anywhere on the planet that you can get some data. And that's why people are listening to Faith FM all over the world on their mobile phones. And it's so much better life because you can join in with us. You can ask the question of the day. You can answer the quiz and get a prize. You can even get the free giveaway. Or even just call us up and have a comment on what we're talking about and tell us where you are in the world and what you're doing and how God is blessing you. You've got a bee in your bonnet you want us to take a look at. We'll have a look at that for you too. You're good at looking at bees? Well, I mean, I like honey. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so join us for the live show if you can. Make the effort. It will be worthwhile here on Faith FM. We're going to have a song break and we're back with our happy news segment. I'm very excited to tell you all about the happy stuff today. Oh, love that will not let me go. the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths its flow, may richer, fuller be. O light that followest all my way, I yield my flickering torch to thee. Restores its borrowed ray That in thy sunshine's blaze its day May brighter, fairer be O joy that seekest me through pain I cannot close my heart to thee I trace the rainbow through the rain And feel the promise is not vain That morn shall tearless be O cross that liftest up my head from thee I lay in dust life's glory dead and from the ground there blossoms red life that shall endless peace life that shall endless peace endless peace
was Chris Rice. Oh, love that will not let me go. Mm. Monica, make us happy this morning. Oh, I got so much happy coming out of me right now. It's uncontainable. Even that song made me happy. (laughs) Did you know that today is actually the sixth annual World Happiness Day as celebrated by the United Nations? Of course, it's my birthday. (laughs) What did you expect? That's why the international realm is happy because it's your birthday. (laughs) It's also the day day in history when Thomas Cranmer was martyred. I have no idea who that is. He was an English martyr. He was martyred for his faith and for his rejection of a number of um, dangerous doctrines such as uh, clerical celibacy, veneration of saints and so forth. Yeah. 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 Well, there you go. He probably wasn't so happy when he died, but... Nah, this is not a very happy story. But anyway, yeah. you've got all the happy ones. I've got all the <laughs> yes. serious stories this morning. So hit us, hit us with some let happiness me, and, let and then we'll have the quiz. Let me tell you a bit more about the science of happiness. Okay. So not only are they actually now using um, smiling and laughing um, as a complementary treatment to cancer um, and it's having great success but there's also wow. been an, yeah exactly the use of headaches too you know has, has a really yeah. really big effect apparently on even if you're not feeling happy if you just smile yeah. the muscles and how it um, engages the pleasure centers in your brain actually still works um, but you'll be interested to know do you remember the Blue Zones book that came out yes yes because the four different zones mm-hmm. in the world where people live the longest yeah so and we as Adventists have we our own we featured heavily we have our own Blue Zones yeah really we were awesome. featured heavily which is great um, but the guy who wrote that Dan Butner. Um, he's now turning his attention from people who live the longest to people who live the happiest. Okay. And he's actually written a new book, Blue Zones of Happiness, Lessons from the World's Happiest People. Hmm. And um, Tell me, where do I need to move to stuff. to be amongst the world's happiest <laughs> this people? This is the thing, right? Who tops the list? There is no magical place out there where people are just like smiling all the Duh. time and constantly partying. I but it he, would be an island in the South Pacific somewhere. Well, the, Bhutan yeah. has always been famous for having gross, na- gross national happiness. Okay. Um, but this isn't something that's just specific to them. So it turns out so that when world leaders about 150 years ago shifted their focus from just economic development to policies that favoured quality of life, those places are now experiencing um, like a, a higher level of uh, public happiness. And um, and he's discovered like it's, it's hard to measure happiness, of course. And um, but there are some factors that that really play into it. So pride, pleasure, and purpose are your three main things that, that they were looking at. You know, mm. you know, how do you evaluate your life overall? Are you satisfied with you know your job, your family, your finances? Your is your mum proud of you? That kind of thing. And then when it comes to stuff like pleasure, it was actually quite interesting. Did you know you? When you think back, when someone asks you, like, are you happy? Do you have a happy life? And you sort of do like a quick stock take in your brain. Yeah. Apparently, you're only remembering awesome 2% of your me- like of your life. That's It's only 2% because it's only the highs and the lows that you remember. So, like, you know, marriages, awards, dumps, getting dumped. So, like, lows like that. So, you know, no one remembers the minutia. Like, no one remembers what you had for lunch last week, that kind of a thing. Mm. So, it's only 2%. My so- wife remembers lots of minutia. <laughs> Hey, hey, hey. Let's not no, she on. does. She knows all about my kids and she tells me these stories and I'm like, I don't remember that. She knows like the most minute detail of their lives and I just don't remember any of that. It's a good thing you married her because you, you don't seem to remember that stuff at all. <laughs> ooh, and then purpose. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> That's why the burn. Lord brings us together. And then burn. purpose Purpose is stuff like, you know, um, are you using your strengths to do, um, to do what you do best and are you engaged with your life? So they looked at those uh, categories and, um, and they found that when it comes to places in particular, because I know you asked about places, there were four things um, that really enhanced the happiness of a population. Uh, And this is quite amazing. The sun. I'll get there in a second. But the number one thing is to make sure all kids can read, particularly particularly girls. Apparently, if you teach girls how to read, the aftermath of that, that whole life and how that girl then influences her circle, because, you know, it's often women who raise kids and so Uh if they can read, they teach their kids to read. What it does is it elevates entire communities if girls can read. I'm I'm pretty sure my mum taught me to read. I don't remember remember learning to read, but I knew how to read long before I went to school. There you go. And then the second thing they look at is um is if the if the local government emphasizes public health over sick care, so basically preventative education mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than um you know fixing it afterwards. And then trust, so 
And that correlates directly to like the corruption within the police, politicians and amongst your peers. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth thing was equality. So, you know, equality in between genders, in between races, in between um, all different kinds of humans. So, you know, the law, the local laws and that kind of thing. So those are the um, those are like the checklist for a community and uh, and and the happiness that that. Um, brings to the people who live in that community. I still think the beach and the sun should have something to do with it. Well, let me tell you all about that. Oh, and by the way, this is amazing. So with this study, they find out that money doesn't appear to have a significant impact on happiness at well, all. Well, Bhutan is like one of the poorest countries the in the world and they're and like one the of happiest. the happiest. Yeah, so famed for their Clearly happiness. money has nothing to do with it. Yeah, and but this was across the board in all their studies. They found that money just didn't seem to factor in. In fact, everything that I've read about this happiness stuff Money is like not really mentioned at all. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter how poor you are. It doesn't matter, you know, how rich you are. Okay. I'm going to give you, Lyle, some tips on how you yourself can get happier. I, I'm already happy. Even though it's I'm your happy, happy, happy birthday today. <laughs> Have an amazing life. Okay. For, for, for you, my listeners, check this out, right? I've got like a checklist for you. So number one, value your health above your career. Okay. Because if Curio is going shiny, but your health is going down the gurgler, you're not going to be happy, irrespective. Mm-hmm. Number two, clean your house. Make it light and airy. Does that... that, that okay. I, the, the house, yes. The workshop, maybe not so much. What do you mean workshop? Yeah. Well, you know, that's the my, my, my man cave. Oh, like the shed to, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, oh, the, the garage. man cave is allowed to be messy. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I mean, if that's, if that's like your little worky place, that's fine. But in the house, you want you want it light and airy, you want green plants, and you want pets. pets you know, there was a lady happiness. who, about 150 years ago, wrote about this, and she wrote down everything that you're talking about right now, and her name was Ellen White. Are you serious? Yeah, keep, keep going. Okay. But everything you've said so far, absolutely. Sleep. Sleep was a massive one. And she spoke about that? Yep, eight hours at least, and really invest in making your sleep space Mm-hmm. A good sleeping environment. Mm-hmm. Number three, social. You need six to seven hours of face-to-face social interaction. Not Ooh. phone, not Facebook, face-to-face. That's a lot. You should have three to five close friends, your inner circle that you can have deep and meaningful conversations with. Mm-hmm. And when we say uh, six to seven hours of face-to-face contact, avoid people who complain and gripe and moan and bring you down that's not that's that's going to do the opposite it's going to make you very unhappy so how do you how do you solve that how do you help somebody like that just if you avoid them can you help them oh, do you know what i don't know yeah sometimes i feel like it's how they're happy they're happy because it's raining kind of a thing you know they, they find satis- satisfaction in being what sad. Is, yeah what is that how just can someone call me and tell me how because i know a few people who like they're only happy if they get to complain or gripe about something it's very difficult to 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 know what to say like do you yeah, say the moment, hey, they, the moment they walk in the door you know that something negative will come out of their mouth yeah they have nothing to say unless it is negative mm-hmm. i'm not sure how to navigate those maybe we can find out yeah okay moving on work have a work bestie so someone in your workplace that's like your bestie at work okay hey lyle Mm. Do you want to be my work bestie? <laughs> <laughs> Let me think about that. Okay, fine. Get back to me. <laughs> and this is an interesting one. And this comes to what you were talking about. Um, it is possible that you are living in an unhappy area. So if you're unhappy, moving can actually even double your happiness. And I know that sounds weird because moving is often one of the most stressful things in your life. No, no, no. That's totally the right. No, That's y- totally. Moving is terrible, but getting there is awesome. Exactly. And they say if you're moving somewhere um, to pick the place to make you happy, pick a place that is rich with nature and outdoorsy kind of stuff. Okay, so, so we don't have a transmitter in Sydney, so I'm just going to put this out there. And hopefully none of our online <laughs> listeners in Sydney are going to be affected. But I'm super happy that I left Sydney a couple of years ago. Yeah, me too, actually. I have to admit, because I left Sydney in 2015 and I just wish I'd done it sooner. I got stuck in a traffic jam the other day. Yeah. And, and, and it was about... 100 metres long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That was about the first time since I left Sydney. <laughs> so moving and moving somewhere where there's like parks and nature, it does a massive increase to your happiness. Just being outdoors and being in nature is a massive plus. And the last one I'm going to hit you with is just get older. And this really? makes really you. Yeah. So people who are older are apparently just happy as Larry as long as they have their health. Well, there you go. There you go. I am absolutely amazed right here. 
there is so much good information there, and I'm just I'm just so much happier just listening to this story. Isn't it? It made me really happy too. I yeah. was just wondering about the difference between happiness and joy, and how Christians measure happiness. Maybe you can tell me after this song break. How does a Christian get happy? Is it different to how the world gets happy? Yes, I have some interesting news for you about that after the song break. Mm, Josh Cunningham, Light of the World. There's a light in the valley There's a light on a distant shore A light on a mountain It's the light that'll guide you home It shines in the darkness It speaks through the word Light of forgiveness, light of the
That was Josh Cunningham, Light of the World, here on Positive Different, Positively Different Radio, where we are talking about happiness this it's morning. Such a happy, happy day. It's your happy birthday. It's World Happiness Day. And Dan Buten has just released his book on where the happiest places on the planet are. So where are the happiest places on the planet? Well, there was places like, you know, in Denmark, um, Costa Rica, um, Singapore, um, places where, where education is emphasized, healthcare is emphasized. Um, surprisingly enough, there were places where there was not a lot of guns or army present. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, people weren't worried about their children being shipped off to fight somewhere, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, those were, those were the highlights. But, yeah. um, but he really... It was funny because, you know, when he did the, the Blue Zones in terms of longevity, it, it had a very, you know, very distinct set of places where people were living the longest. But he's, he's really emphasizing in, in this study that it was not so much a place. It was not geography. Yeah, it wasn't so much geography, but, you know, different pockets of, you know, even within a city, there could be a pocket of happiness. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you can have that pocket of happiness inside your brain. Yeah. Yeah. In your own pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I was thinking about this. Mm, yeah. Do you know how Jesus says to be happy? I'm, I'm really curious because now that I've sort of listened to what the world has been saying about happiness, I'm keen to know what the Bible says about happiness. Okay, so Jesus says if you want to be happy, this is what you need to do. Uh-huh. You need to wash other people's dirty feet. Um, excuse me? <laughs> you weren't expecting me to say that, were you? Feet gross me out, Lyle. <laughs> All right, so here's the story. Jesus' disciples were having a big discussion amongst themselves as to who would be greatest in the kingdom of God. Uh-huh. And they were on their way to Jerusalem, and as they're traveling to Jerusalem, they're talking about this, you know, amongst themselves, and and uh, you know, and of course that creates tension, and it creates bitterness, and it creates division, and all of these kinds of things. They come to Jerusalem, and they go into a room that we know famously as the upper room. Oh, I've heard about this upper room. In Jewish society in those days and Middle Eastern society, well, in Middle Eastern society still to this day, the foot is the most disgusting thing that there is. And so you will find depictions, you know, carved on walls and so forth of kings who are who have conquered their enemies and they're not giving them the finger or something like that. They're putting their foot on them. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, I've seen that. Yep. And so the foot was the most disgusting thing was because the foot that was the foot that walked around all day in the sewage. Oh, yuck. Because the streets of the city were the sewer. That was that was where the sewer was, and you would have you oh. know stepping stones so you could cross the street in places and let the sewer run down the middle of the street. And those you know crossing places would be like stepping stones mm-hmm. high enough so that the the chariot wheel the chariot axles could pass over them. Mm-hmm. So this is how their sewage system was. You can imagine you know an agrarian society. Everything is run by animals. Lots of animals being eaten. Lots of animals being taken th- through the city all the time. It was a dirty place. Lots and so of animals going yeah. to the toilet in the street. That's yeah, right. Okay. And human beings, of course, doing the same thing mm-hmm. and you know, disposing of their waste in the street. And, of course, when you walked into somebody's home, the first thing that would happen is that somebody would wash your feet to make you comfortable. See, now you'd be clean inside the home. It was just like disgusting to be walking around in the home with you know, feces all over your feet. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, the lowest person in the household, this was their job. So this was this was the, the job of the slave and it was the job of the lowest of the lowest of the low slave. Wow, okay. Jesus and his disciples go into the upper room and then it is the, the job of the lowest person amongst that group of 13 people, 12 disciples plus Jesus, to wash the feet of everybody in the room. The disciples, however, have been talking about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. So it's like a social, like a social uh, hierarchy almost. So whoever in the room is exactly. the lowest. It, exactly. If there's no slaves present, whoever comes next, kind of a thing. Exactly. So wow. let's say that you've been in discussion, like who's going to be greatest in the kingdom, and everybody's been jostling for position and trying to figure out how can I maneuver myself so that I'll be prime minister in this empire that Jesus is going to set up here on this earth. Mm-hmm. So if you've been jostling for position, are you going to be the kind of person who's like, yeah, I'll put my hand up, I'll, I'll wash people's feet? No way, because I'd be like instantly marking yourself as like the bottom rung. Yeah, you've just you've just capitulated in that discussion, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. And so nobody does, and everybody sits around feeling super awkward because there's food and there's drink, and it's like, how can you even touch this kind of stuff when everybody's feet are just gross, gross and disgusting? Mm-hmm. You, you imagine. You, you, yeah. You, Put yourself in those sandals and you would know exactly why you would want your feet washed. And so the Bible says that Jesus got up from the meal. He got a towel and a basin of water 
and he began to wash his disciples' feet. Oh, my. He came to Peter, and Peter's like, you can't wash my feet. There's no way you're washing my feet. Peter's like, if I don't, Jesus was like, if I don't wash your feet, you can have no part with me. And Peter's like, hey, dump it over my head, you know. Uh-huh. That, was the way, <laughs> that was the way Peter was. But then Jesus goes on, and you'll find the story in John chapter 13. He says in verse 15, sorry, verse 14, he says, if I then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, you should do the same to one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. Truly, truly, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. So if you want to find happiness, there's your answer. So you want me to get a bucket and a towel and walk around and just be like washing people's feet whenever I meet them. So instead of like sticking out my hand to shake their hand and be like, hi, I'm Mon, I'd be like, hi, can I wash your toes? That might be a little weird. So so what's the, uh, like, please apply to modern stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having trouble thinking about, I'm okay, probably so in prison if I do the, this. The, the lesson that Jesus is teaching right here is a lesson of humility. If you want to be happy, don't think of yourself as better than other people. And if you Ooh. want to be happy, happiness is found in service. Happiness is not found in being the boss and lording it over everybody and being a dictator. Mm-hmm. Dictators are miserable people. Mm. We, you, know, you can see that wherever you go. People who serve people, people who make other people happy are people who are happy. It's funny. You Random should, acts of kindness. Yeah. It's true. It's funny you should mention that because, you know, in this article, um, in this research I was doing this morning, they were saying that the, one of the cures, like not just, you know, you know, because I think you and I are pretty happy people, but if we wanted to be happier, we can follow those tips that I gave earlier. But if you actually have an issue with unhappiness, like depression or anxiety, one of the, one of the best um, uh, treatments for that is actually to go into service and and serve other people, mm-hmm. um, you know, through charity work or through um, you know helping out with community projects and that kind of stuff, and really seeing just how I suppose blessed you are, and uh, and helping people who have less or who are in more difficult situations than you are, and it really takes your focus off your own unhappiness when you help someone else with their unhappiness. Okay, so if you are feeling unhappy today, then try and find a random act of kindness to do mm. for somebody else, mm-hmm. and it will make you happier. I will guarantee it. If you are feeling sad, if you are feeling a little bit like down, just go out there and do something happy. Okay, now I want to relate this, yes. if I can, uh-huh. to one of the most significant. Uh, female citizens uh-huh. of uh, the Lake Macquarie, Newcastle region back in the 1800s. Oh, go on. Back when women were, you know, sort of in a different part of society than mm-hmm. what they are today. Mm-hmm. And so this particular lady brought uh, significant industry to the Lake Macquarie area. She brought uh, education to the Lake Macquarie area. She established a healthcare system that has resulted in the in the largest private hospital in Australia. So she was a very significant person. So it sounds like a pioneering warrior. And she wrote about happiness. Oh, she did? And how to achieve happiness. And as you were reading that list there a little while ago about things that create happiness, like what were some of the things on your list there you had? Um, to value your health over your career, to clean your house, um, to sleep, to have social interaction, to um, uh, have good work relationships, be outdoors in nature, and... Um, and to age happier. Okay, so the research that has come out now this year, the the happiness on the happiness day, finally, is research that Ellen White presented, you know, 150 years ago. Really? She was she was Where light years ahead time? of her time. She only had a third year education. Wow! And was able to accomplish all of this. Um, but you know, she spoke about electrical currents in the brain back in you know 1869. Uh, she spoke about the dangers of smoking in 1864. That was 100 years before the Surgeon General said it was bad for you. Yeah, she spoke about, you know, the, the Twin Towers in or the, the, the New York. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, back a uh, hundred odd years ago, 1904. Uh, she spoke about the role that the United States will be playing in the world that it is right now, way back then. Uh, she spoke about, oh, so many different things that were so far ahead of her time. That uh, she spoke about the you know the conditions in the church. She spoke about disease in animals increasing as we get near the end of time. She spoke about um, genetic engineering. So many things. Wow! But she spoke so much about happiness, 
and pointing people to Jesus Christ where they could find real Source happiness. Joy. And if you want to have happiness, maybe do some research on what this lady had to say. We might actually give away one of her books at the end of this show. So stay tuned and you can pick up oh, one of her copies. you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's a light for a look at the Savior And life more abundant and free Turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in His wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strange In the light of His glory Welcome back to Faith FM and The Breakfast Show listeners. It's great to have you with us and it's wonderful to have Pastor David Stoichich with us again this morning. David, always great having you in here. Wonderful to be here, Adele, and wonderful to be with our listeners as well. Mm. So today we're going to talk about an issue that plagues many people. It's the issue of low self-worth. So is there any difference between self-esteem and self-worth? Or should we say, what's the difference between self-esteem and self-worth? That's a good question and it's... um it's a big topic, so we might need to talk a bit more, uh, you know, next time on this Do topic. Do a second installment. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so self-esteem is what we think and feel and believe about ourselves, mm-hmm. about our abilities, about who we are, and so on and so on. So self-worth, on the other hand, is recognizing that I'm much more than what I think about myself, what I okay. do. Um, it's, a, it's a deep knowing that I'm of value, that mm. I'm lovable necessary uh, to this life uh, and it, that I have incomprehensible uh, worth as, as, as an individual, that my life has purpose and meaning. It is possible to feel high self-esteem mm. um, or in other words, to think I'm good at, uh, at something, yet still not feel convinced that I'm lovable and worthy. So self-esteem doesn't last or work without self-worth. That's really interesting. I've never thought of it that way. (laughs) So what does low self-worth look like? Well, I believe that uh, most of those people who suffer from low self-worth either know that they do uh, have low self-worth or they suspect 
that they that they do. According to Christian author and a, and a counselor uh, June Hunt, low self worth manifests itself either as a form of inner insecurity or in the form of relational roadblocks. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, to determine whether one suffers with low self-worth, one can ask himself or herself a few probing questions. And so, June Hunt uh, suggests the following checklist that pertains to one's inner security or lack of it. So, I'll just go okay. to this checklist, which I believe it's very, very uh, useful. Very easy self-assessment uh, tool. <laughs> easy self-assessment tool. Mm. Uh, some questions that we can ask ourselves. And if we answer most of these questions in affirmative, then we may, may kind of uh, think or mm. understand that we might be struggling with low self-worth. So, mm. let's, let's go down the questions. First question, am I self-critical? and have feeling of self-loathing. Uh, am I fearful uh, of failure and avoid risk-taking? Am I overly impacted by the opinions of others and strive to meet their standards? Am I undeserving of and yet desperate of the approval of others? Hmm. And the question, the list go, goes on and on. And on. Am, am I unhappy with my personal appearance and personal achievements. So that that's something that uh, a lot of people suffer mm. suffer with uh, with their appearance, with their achievements. Am I negligent negligent uh, of my appearance? So basically, I've just let go, and I don't care how I look mm. like. Uh, and that may also indicate other issues such as depression. Yeah, depression often. Uh, mm. Am I unable to to uh, to set boundaries? So all that. Oh, healthy boundaries, maybe. Healthy yeah, boundaries, yeah. of course. And, and that, that could also indicate the, the presence of codependence, mm. a codependency. Uh, am I ashamed of my background and I often struggle with depression? Am I controlled by a victim mentality? Am I inferior, inferior and incompetent when compared to others? So as mm. I've said, if we answer in affirmative, uh, then, then we might suffer from this uh, inner insecurity, which indicates most likely low self-worth. It's interesting because you think of you know things like being self-critical and having feelings of self-loathing. Sometimes we can be harsher to ourselves than we'd ever be to anyone else. That's right. So what can we do if we suffer from inner insecurity? Well, if you struggle with inner insecurity, we need to adopt a different way of thinking. I, I would say if this is something that we have been struggling with, with uh, Many, you know, with for many years, mm. I really believe it would be very, very good to to go and see a counselor mm. and do a bit of uh, cognitive behavior therapy. Yeah, and 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 get to the bottom. You know, psychotherapy could help it, uh, as well because people can understand where it is all coming from. Mm. So counselors would know. But but what it boils down to is we we need to to change the way we think. We need to address the need. Uh, for inner security. We mm. need to see what actually makes us insecure and we need to address that need. Uh, and we also, from the spiritual perspective, Adele, we need to take um, to heart these words of encouragement from the Word of God, from the Bible, mm -hmm. where we actually are told, um, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And that's in Deuteronomy 31 and verse 6, uh, that addresses this knowledge of God who is present, mm. who is imminent, who is there with us. And, and concerned about our welfare. That's right. Mm. That addresses that need mm. uh, um, for security, mm. and inner, inner security and outer security as well. I think, you know, looking at the Word of God, there is a lot in there about our need for security. And it also advises us to find that in God. So if you look at the psalmist King David, he really recognized this reality when he wrote in Psalm 20 verse 7, some trust in chariots and their horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God, which is you know, sensible, practical. <laughs> it is, it is, it is. Mm. And you mentioned a bit earlier that low self-worth could manifest itself in our relationships. What are some of the signs in a relationship that may indicate that we suffer from low self-worth? Uh, 
Well, it's a, another good question, and there are some questions, again, that we can ask uh, ourselves to find out mm-hmm. where we stand when it comes to our self-worth and, and, and in relationships. So let me go down again uh, to this checklist of questions that we may ask mm. ourselves. Uh, like, for instance, <laughs> we, may, we may all feel guilty of some of these, but, <laughs> but if it is predominant, then, yeah. then it's a different problem. Am I overly critical and distrustful of others? Am I demanding and unforgiving of others? Am I defensive when confronted? Am I argumentative and resistant to authority? Am I undeserving of and unable to accept compliments? Am I afraid to get close to people and establish intimacy? You see, a lot of people mm. come to, to, to adult to, to counseling, and that's basically what they say. They say oh, we are, we're just unable to, 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 to get close, yeah. to connect with people. And, mm. and, and I invariably find out that low self-worth uh, is, is one of the reasons for mm. that. You know? I guess probably people would feel that you know, other people might not like them. And so that holds right. them back. That's right. Mm. And the other, the other, other questions we may ask is: Am I, at, uh, am I a peace at all cost people pleaser type mm. of person? Am I reluctant to express my free um, uh, feelings? Am I hesitant to accept responsibility for my wrongs? Am I often afraid to defend myself? Mm. Uh, so, as I said, if the answer to, to most of these questions is yes, then, then most likely we, we suffer from low self-worth. What can we do if we're creating these relational roadblocks through our low sense of self-worth? Well, if we struggle with establishing healthy relationships, uh, we need to know that actually trust and love are foundations of healthy relationships and that our fears uh, may be undermining our relationships. So, you know, we find uh, a very interesting uh, scripture there in, in, in the Bible, in Proverbs 29, 25. Mm. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, mm. but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So we need to find that peace in God that, that God offers. Jesus says, I give you my peace in John's Gospel 14, 27. In Galatians, um, we find that actually fruit of the Spirit is peace. Peace, peace. yeah, joy, when, when, love. Mm. Joy, love, peace, mm. uh, self-control. And, and so, so when we have this spiritual connection, mm. um, uh, we, we, we get, we get uh, really, um, uh, this goes a long way in, in helping us to, mm. to find that self-worth as people. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, like you've got a text that you sort of noted down about First John as well, I think. And that is that is so important to <laughs> that's, remember. That's right. Mm. Where, where, where it says that fear and love are mutually exclusive. Mm. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Mm. And because fear has to do with punishment, so... Um, the, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. So if you're looking for that, that's in First John four eighteen. Anyway, I think we're going to have to have a little bit more of a talk about self-worth after we listen to this track. You're on Faith FM on The Breakfast Show. It's fantastic having you with us. Stick around. We've got so much more coming up just after this. A mighty fortress is our God a bulwark never failing our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing for still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe his craft and power are great and armed with cruel earth is not his equal Did we in our own strength confide Our striving would be losing Were not the right man on our side The man of God's own choosing Dost ask who that may be Christ Jesus it is He Lord Sabaoth His name From age to age the same And He must win the battle 
threaten to undo us We will not fear for God has willed His truth to triumph through us The Prince of Darkness grim We tremble not for Him His rage we can endure For lo, His doom is sure shall fail him That word above all earthly powers No thanks to them abideth The Spirit and the gifts are ours Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still, His kingdom is forever. Welcome back to Faith FM. You're on The Breakfast Show and you've just joined Adele and Pastor David Stoichich. We've been talking about low self-worth. So just before we listen to that track, we were having a quick look at how perfect love drives out fear. Um, and that's such a wonderful reminder in 1 John four eighteen. And so based on what you've shared with us so far, David, whether you talk about inner insecurity or, or relational insecurity or relational roadblocks, if you will, it looks like the basic emotion that drives all of these insecurities is actually fear. That's right. And God is able to give us his peace and fill our hearts with love for ourselves and for others so that we're not fear-driven but love-driven. Can you give us some insights on what some of the common causes for low self-worth are? Uh, yes, uh, Adele, uh, just talking, just taking a step back and talking about um, fear as a driver. Mm. It's interesting that, uh, and, and we might have addressed that, you know, maybe last year in one of our, our conversations mm. here, that fear uh, is a driver for a lot of personality disorders. Mm. So, so fear actually can, while it can be a positive emotion, because it can be in the function of self-preservation. Which is know, useful. <laughs> you know, so we may decide to, fight, uh, you know, mm. to, to flee away or mm. to fight. But at the same time, uh, it, can, it can destroy people. So, mm. so your question was um, uh, for me to share some insi- insights about the common causes of low se- self-worth. So mm. generally... Negative self-perceptions develop in people as a result of their being treated uh, in ways that cause them to feel devalued. Mm. By whom? By significant people in their lives. Mm. So unless these perceptions are changed, self-devaluation will worsen over people's life lifetime so if these can be as let's uh, say issues dealt with mm. uh, earlier in the piece in rather life, than leaving it mm. rather than leaving it uh, you know the likelihood of them being addressed and people suffering mm. less in the future is is much better than mm. actually leaving it for itself to be really entrenched in our mm. lives but there is hope mm. there's always hope yes true you can always get help and deal yeah. with things at any stage in life yes <laughs> i think that's a good important reminder that you know these things often do set in when we're young and the actions and attitudes of parents toward their children really send messages that are quite clear to the kids about value and worth not just you know their value to their parents but their value and worth as human beings um you know and people say sticks and stones may hurt my bones <laughs> you know break my bones but names will never hurt me but you know messages really stick around with people and have lifelong implications the bible actually says in colossians three twenty one, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged there's a lot of wisdom there you know mm. that's a very, very good way of putting it so so our parents were the first significant people in our lives, and they, their actions have no doubt shaped our lives. So let's think of different types of mm-hmm. dysfunctional families and environments and what messages they send to the children over um, uh, or even adults 
through the uh, actions and words. So, for example, if you've got parents who have addictive problems. Well, if we have if we have uh, parents who have uh, various types of addictions, for instance, mm. if they have chemical addictions, uh, if they're dependent chemically, uh, what message they send is uh, that their alcohol and drugs are more important mm. than what I am as a child. Mm. Uh, if they're workaholics... Uh, which is that, a big thing. <laughs> which is a big thing. Uh, they send a message that their work is more important than, than I am mm. as, as their child. Uh, if they have uh, issues with compulsive spending, mm. uh, then, then the, the message that they send is that their money and things are more important than what I am mm. as a child. And if they're perfectionists, uh, as, as such, their demand for perfection is more important than I am and so on and so on. Mm. Oh, that's difficult to deal with. What about if you've got abusive parents? Well, uh, abuse can happen on di- different different forms. levels, mm. and, and it, they can uh, they, it can take different forms. So, for instance, if if uh, parents uh, or guardians are emotionally abusive, uh, they are sending a message to the child. The child is getting this message: "I'm nobody. I'm mm. a nobody." Uh, if they are verbally abusive. Uh, basically, the message that, I, that they're sending and that the child is getting is, I'm deserving of put-downs. Mm. Uh, if they're physically abusive uh, as, as parents, um, the child is getting this message, I'm meant to be a punching bag. Mm. If they're sexually abusive, uh, the message that children get is, I'm nothing more than a sex object. Which is terrible, really. Yes, it truly is. I think, too, you know, it's important to think about the messages children receive from parents and authority figures, too. Yes, very, very much so, uh, Adele. Uh, you know, and, and this is where, where we, we can we, we need to really think about what influence we exert. Mm. So, if you are overly critical, uh, the message that is that is sent is, mm. "I'm incompetent." You mm. know, children will will get this message, and not just children. No, adults, adults as well. too. Yeah. Uh, if you are over overprotective, overly protective, uh, the message that that the recipients will get is. I'm inadequate. Mm, it undermines their sort of freedom and uh, investigative abilities too. Absolutely, mm. risk taking, which is part mm. of life. If you are overly controlling, uh, the message that that they get is that the recipients get is I'm I'm unacceptable. Mm. If they are overly permissive, on the other hand, mm, the, the uh, opposite side, <laughs> uh, the, the message that they get is I'm not I'm not valuable. Mm. And, so on. and what about from siblings and peers as well? Well, if uh, again, uh, that's another area from which uh, we can be influenced. If 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 the peers and siblings are overly critical, uh, the message that the recipient will get is, "I'm inferior," mm. uh, or or if they're discouraging in their statements, they may get this message, "I'm hopeless." Mm. If they're pushy, well, another another message they can get is, "I'm weak as a person." If they're overly competitive. You know, people feel inept. That's mm. right, feeling inept. Mm. So, yeah. And I guess too, you know, the bigger picture, society as a whole as well. Well, unfortunately, our society that is very, very competitive, very much so. nature, <laughs> nature is is really disseminating this sense of insecurity because mm. you know too much competition creates insecurity. Mm. Uh, society can be very materialistically mm. driven. And, and so if you don't have lots of money, you're not worth anything. You're not you know, and that's a terrible way to think of things. Absolutely. And, mm. and then also in the, in the, in the education, education system, um, uh, you know, if you have some limitations or if, they, if they're set, you know, it can send this message of being insignificant. Mm. And then also racial and sexual discrimination, mm. you know, uh, it can send the message of, I don't belong, I'm rejected. Yeah. Yeah. So many people have been raised in dysfunctional environments and they've either perpetuated the dysfunctional behaviour or they've lived with a damaged self-worth sort of perception. Um, they might end up sort of thinking or saying, I'll never overcome a painful past. It's impossible for me to be whole and normal and live a wonderful life. But what can we share with people who are feeling that way? Well, this is what I, if they came to me, say, for counselling, this is what I would say to them. I would say... It's completely understandable why you feel this way. Mm. When you've been abused, you've been given the message that you're not uh, of worth uh, way too many times. It's hard to counteract a lifetime of hearing that message. Mm. However, I also say that it's possible to discover your true worth. 
this is what I would say to them, I, and I would just continue like this. Mm. Your value is not based on someone else's misuse of you. It's not based on their opinion of you or their words about you or their wrong actions. You're, a deep, you're of a deep, infinite worth. You may not feel it yet, but you mm. are. And discovering it for yourself starts simply uh, by uh, opening up to that possibility. Ask yourself, what if I really were worth of worth? What if I could feel that I'm valuable and lovable and good deep down? So we need to open the mind for that. It's mm. not easy, but don't let someone who hasn't been living up to their potential prevent you from living up to yours. So mm. let's let yourself begin um, uh, begin to believe. Mm. So no matter what your past was like or any pain that you may have experienced, healing and wholeness is possible through Christ, really. Uh, well, that's right. The Bible mm. says, uh, a crisis uh, with God. All things are possible. Mm, well, amen to that. <laughs> it's interesting to observe just quickly that some people have been raised by really dysfunctional families and others have been in very negative environments and yet they still seem to have their self-worth intact. How do we explain that? Well, there could be a number of reasons for it, Adele, but I believe that the most important reason uh, for this is that they had managed to overcome um, their sense of low self-worth by mm. replacing the wrong beliefs about themselves with right beliefs. They saw themselves for who they really are, precious, unique, mm. valuable human beings. And the Bible uh, gives us an understanding of how this change happens. It must start in our mind. Mm. In Romans 12, 2, uh, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm. And uh, those who read the Bible and believe in God have an additional understanding of their self-worth. Like John 3.16, uh, if we read this and we believe that, that God left uh, the second person of Godhead of divinity, left, mm. left heaven to come down to earth to redeem us, to save us, mm. it gives us a tremendous sense of, of, of self-worth. That's such a beautiful reminder to finish on. Thank you so much for joining us today, David. And to our listeners, if you found the topic of self-worth helpful, let us know by giving us a call on one 800 Faith FM or flicking us a message on the Faith FM Facebook page. You can find us on there. Um, and the first five who call us or email us will receive a free copy of Steps to Christ. Just quote the word self-worth and we will get in touch with you. Well, stick around. We have so much more great content coming up just after this on Faith FM on The Breakfast Show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 